0: Welcome back to Reformed Millennials. The podcast where finances, economic trends, and sports intersect. Cam and Joel help listeners better invest their time and money. Also, it's important for listeners to understand that investing in equities, fixed income instruments, and or alternative asset classes involves substantial risk of loss. Any action you may take as a result of the information presented in this podcast is your own responsibility. The information in this podcast is presented as a general educational, informational, and entertainment resource only. While Joel is registered to provide investment advice, this podcast does not provide individualized investment, tax, or insurance advice, nor is it meant as a recommendation to any any listener to buy or sell any specific securities or otherwise take any other form of investment action. This is an excerpt of the full legal disclaimer that's available on the landing page of this podcast, which includes whether Cam Pitchers or Joel Shackleton have any ownership or interest in the specific securities discussed in this podcast. Hi Cam,
1: Uh, quick question for you. Um, Is there anything cooler than being an athlete and getting a statue out front of the stadium you played the majority of your career?
2: No, there probably isn't. I mean, other than the fact that it's there forever and if it's not something that you love, then tough look.
1: Especially if you weren't able to put it up while you were alive, like MJ did, or Wayne Gretzky. Like,
2: yeah, like, like Wayne's in Edmonton is pretty sweet.
1: That's unbelievably cool.
2: There's a few out there, like, I mean, the one that always pops in my head is the original one of Cristiano Ronaldo, like that, that headscape one that got, <laughs> that was just horrendous and looked like it was a joke. Obviously, I'm assuming, like you said, people who are alive that are getting a statue or some kind of memorial thing uh, for them in whatever city, they're probably pre approving that before it goes in. Yeah,
1: presidents get libraries, unless you're Trump, <laughs> and um, athletes get statues, and I think it's
2: like Kobe's I just obviously that's what you're in reference to and his wife I think was presenting it or whatever and then she was like and just so you know this is what Kobe approved like because they were going to do a statue for him anyways or whatever and like that's what he wanted it but because all of the vitriol hate was already coming out saying like that's not a cool statue or I would not yeah exactly like yeah he would have been punching someone essentially it's (laughs) like okay easy but yeah super cool I mean what an amazing! L. A. has got to be like.
1: The Lakers. Why does Magic have a statue?
2: I don't know. I feel like maybe, like L. A. Boston just has it just it, sports in general. It's just it's crazy because even like the can like the like hockey like not many people would know this but like Dustin Brown has a statue. I'm pretty sure in L. A. For the yeah. Why? <laughs> like I don't know. Two cups, two for like He's captain the, of the team, first two cups.
1: He wasn't even in the top five players on that.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. It's crazy. But so they just love statues, okay. So LeBron's they,
1: gonna get one. Which city
2: for sure, like Cleveland, Cleveland for sure, right? Yeah, well, I mean, is it a statue city though? Like maybe he just gets, well, like, yeah, he should get one, he, he should, should yeah. yeah, he deserves it, yeah, 100%. Yeah, uh,
1: well, we're gonna put a Connor one up almost certainly.
2: He wins a cup if he over. signs here, <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, if he agrees to live here for eight more years. He gets a statue, not just at the stadium. He gets one at the, like, welcome to Edmonton sign. He gets a statue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's going to be way bigger than we want it to be. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just... I was watching that this morning, and I... I, I like it it's it's it makes sense for him
2: it is cool there's a lot going on like right now i mean that l a that Kobe thing was big last night and then obviously we're heading into Super Bowl weekend in vegas and then i mean like waste management and golf i was just say great week or great week to be a private jet owner
1: <laughs> renter
2: or renter yeah for least, sure, or half for the that Ryan matter
1: on a private plane so
2: because it is i was i mean um our our favorite follow there um Joe palm had a like a heat map essentially of, of private jets like in and out and it's just crazy right now. So it's gonna be an electric weekend. Um, everyone's in the desert. Everyone's in the desert. Everyone's traveling between um, Vegas and, and, and Arizona.
1: So did you see the, the, the minute that the Chiefs had won, mm-hmm. they had really named all of the, the flights in and out of Vegas for Kelsey and, and um, for Taylor Swift. And for the numbers going in and out of the city. Oh, okay. And then they also had information on how they can possibly get Taylor Swift back from Japan.
2: Yes. Because she's the night before she's in she's Tokyo or whatever. It, yeah. The end
1: of her... her to tour. Yeah. yeah. So... Not that I know. I'm just... <laughs> honestly, the the social media is great. I The fact that people think it's terrible is... These things are, are fantastic. You get to talk about these things, it's fun. Um, I do want to discuss golf before we move into markets. I sure. was just, I don't know, I, I, when I'm on YouTube, basically I get fed um, technology reviews, mm-hmm. podcasts from technologists, and golf, stuff. and golf stuff. And the Good Good Group, mm-hmm. which has been a topic of discussion on this podcast for three years, um, has really taken the reins and led what I think is probably the biggest competitor to the PGA Tour, which is crazy. You and I for were just- eyeballs, 100%. Yeah, you and yeah. I were just scrolling through the Good the Good YouTube channel. Now, this isn't even close to competitive with PewDiePie and Mr. Beast and stuff like that. Yeah. However, yeah. for a niche sport that is going through a revolution, and a niche sport that's seen $2.5 billion deployed into golfers mm-hmm. leaving a <laughs> a tour. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like a bunch of dropout college kids and ex-PGA players are making a better run at creating better content mm-hmm. than the lived golf tour has. And I'm here for it. I think it's fantastic. I've been long in the camp that Live was going to revolutionize golf in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They tried or are trying. They've stolen, I don't know, 40% of the PGA tour talent. And what has it resulted in? They're uh, their the the viewing of their events still hasn't taken off. Pickleball mm-hmm. is doing better mm-hmm. than Live Golf. And yeah. and it's <laughs> not me saying that their product isn't any good, but they clearly have struggled at mm-hmm. getting it getting well of acquiring Ooh. eyeballs and good good has not they have 1.4 million followers or subscribers on youtube they got 90 or two, apparently there's one hundred and five thousand live streamers of their grass clippings night tournament on tuesday a tuesday mm-hmm. not a saturday not a sunday with john rom a mm-hmm. tuesday with garrett clark yeah a bunch a, of dudes a bunch of dudes let's
2: just call it that
1: and the brian bros yeah. who I love them, but it's not. They just don't have the name recognition, right? No, there's
2: no. There is no name. It's it's. They've built everything. It's all organic, which is like the, obviously the most impressive thing. They've been doing it for like you do have a bunch of guys that understand the YouTube Garrett game. Been doing I think it for over a decade. Yeah, like they understand that they've or they've been investing in this a lot longer than Live has, for example, or whatever they've been. Enrolled. But the fact that it's not the star, it's not star power driven. It's just based off of them doing it every day uploading every day essentially becoming a part of people's lives that have now led to this which is like super impressive and super cool and yeah like that essentially what joel was referencing in regards to that grass clippings is like there was they decided upon a live event and this is their first time ever doing it in and no one's really done it in the golf space before two-man scramble it was like i think four hours or five hours of live uh live feed so they did i think two thirds of it or half of it on youtube and then they also partnered with nbc peacock to stream the second half which they, and then they were able to post yesterday to youtube as well to, to watch the back end of it if promote you it on didn't golf if you didn't yeah promote it on golf channel so like i mean obviously they're that's their biggest next step like they've already, already started to promote their next open which is super cool um because they're, they're looking into this and seeing how like this can be super profitable potentially um or at least from a you know growth perspective to get into that next echelon of eyeballs it's it's crazy joe's
1: versus joe's is going to be joe's versus
2: joe's yeah that's good
1: so popular because it it, that's basically what it is with the exception of wesley and and george Bryan.
2: you can relate but i think at the end of the day you do need to have in order to become really big you need to be a character too like you need to have like i've heard a couple interviews of these of some of these guys like again just on like a podcast or whatever well michael morris made it and
1: he's not interesting
2: no, so, but I mean, like, again, but he's almost has, like, the the, the heel aspect. Like, people, he? people hate watching him almost, like, just to comment on stuff, it seems like. But anyways, I, I mean, that happens sometimes. I think to really make it big, you need to be interesting. You need to be putting on a show to some degree. And then, obviously, lots of people just love the production value of, like, what you're putting into your editing on your videos mm-hmm. and whatnot. I mean, like, multiple cameras, having like shot tracers like showing it getting it as close to professional content as possible but having that relatability factor and the fact it's like i mean as as good as pga tour and live like can be in terms of showing the game and trying new things you're not inside the ropes you're not standing next to the person thinking like what do you think going through the shot and like hearing someone it's like very relatable like hearing someone say like i have no idea what i'm doing or i am so nervous about hitting this shot mm-hmm. and i'm just playing against my buddy like in a money game for 100 bucks but like i'm i'm gonna skull this over the green <laughs> and it's like but going through the having that live discussion over anything i think is is so relatable and, and mm-hmm. makes people attached to it whereas again with normal golf not that it's not still intriguing i love watching you know Sunday back nine and and seeing something come down to the you know a nail-biting finish that's awesome but it's just not you don't get that you still never get that same connection because and you're never going to because those guys are never gonna at least at this point never gonna let anyone like be talking to them going down the 18th fairway to win a tournament and you don't get that same kind of connection with with the golfers is that there's that level or that brick wall that's up there no completely agree with you but I mean obviously probably no one listens to this from there but shout out them that was amazing hundred that like that is so cool to see obviously they're probably have a lot of improvements to make a lot of things they want to change I only I only tuned in for like 20 minutes but I was like to think that they were making trick shots in their backyard like three years ago and um, like I mean well I mean like but not I mean they were still doing it three years ago and now they're and now they're doing live events where you're getting in I'm in all likelihood I'm assuming that that video will gross well over you know, two, three million views at the end of the day. So, pretty cool.
1: This ain't no hobby for these guys anymore. Ain't no hobby. And and that's kind of where I wanted, the angle I wanted to take. And this is, you know, when I was a kid growing up, the idea of getting into golf as a profession was a pipe dream. Mm -hmm. Unless you were going to make it as being a professional. And I mean, in the sense that competitive professionals are they professional, like a professional golfer, not a golf professional. (laughs) Golf professionals now are even making a little bit more money. Like Mm. the demand for private golf courses and for private clubs, I think is also an extension of the popularity of the sport and just even the dynamic of the, of our society. Mm. Right now you have a, a demand for personal interaction because we've lost a lot of that with work from home, with the the dynamics of, of our, you watch movies at home, you don't leave your house, you can, you can do a lot of your life there, and we've lost that community in many ways, and we're regaining it with new clubs, new sports, and it's being redistributed out, and I think the demand for that is quite clear. You can see it in our city, you mm-hmm. can see it in other cities, when you look at the outrageous costs to get into private clubs in the United States. Mm. You can tell that there's a ton of demand here. So now there's a lot of job opportunity. Mm. When you think about what a typical professional golfer, director of golf at a private club makes, most people would be like, what does it make 80 grand? No, three times that. And that's interesting. For anybody who is in their Man, I wish I was better teens, at golf. 20s, well,
0: um,
1: you don't even have to be good. You just have to be know what you're doing, right? And um, there is now opportunity there. Whether you want to go and work for Callaway and be a rep, or if you want to think about getting into the sport, there's many, many ways where there's actual money to be made. And that's super exciting. I feel like when I was a kid growing up, teens, I was kind of an outsider golfing. And then into my 20s, all the hockey players who didn't make it, literally everyone I know um, (laughs) decided golf was the sport for them Mm -hmm. they've now converted Mm -hmm. and that's in many ways how we connect but over the last five years you've seen these uh, because of technology it's opened up the space to make it more popular Mm -hmm. of a sport and you could see the interest in other team sports perhaps bleeding and it being gained by these individual sports like tennis and, and F1 and golf
2: so it's very interesting. It is. Yeah. I am so it's been a seismic shift, for sure, in terms of eyeballs and, and where people are spending their time yeah, doing those cool. things. So
1: so let's, let's jump into a market update, Cam. Mm-hmm. It's been a, I would call a transitional week, where we mm-hmm. were seeing new all-time highs today, 5,000 on, on the S&P 500. Woo, woo. Great. <laughs> um, the Nasdaq, again, up four, four and a half percent for the year you see a number of individual stocks that are doing very well. But the mm-hmm. breadth of the market is starting to deteriorate, where your, your new all-time highs list is starting to fall apart. You have very large, successful businesses carrying the indexes, while the rest of the 495, 493, whoever you want to include yeah, in that S&P conti- 500 group. A
2: continuation of what we had discussed before. Yeah,
1: because this really started to happen actually in December. Right. And now it's continued. And I believe there continues to be a headwind to equity prices and them continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. We are seeing a stubborn GDP number, which is good. That is what we need to see in order to drown out our debt issues. However, same that that's still continuing with CPI. So GDP growth is great, but if it comes with inflation, not great. You mm-hmm. want to see the you want to see the reverse of that inflation number, and we're not getting that, which means. Uh, on the weekend, we had um, Chair Powell was on 60 Minutes, where he talked about the forward-looking guidance for inflation, what he believes he's going to do with, the, with with rate cuts, and he effectively came and told everybody and said, "We ain't getting one in March, and we aren't promising anything in the summer," mm-hmm. which is a pretty big change from what the market is expecting. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? A lot of the participants in the market are selling off because of it. So multiples are contracting because of this and you have earning season and earning seasons where you're getting a lot of carry. You're, you see meta that absolutely blew the doors off yeah. and they're continuing to grow at a 25% annualized clip. You have a reinvigoration of their, um, their ad load. They're, they're starting to to produce better returns on on people's advertising. They're stealing from a lot of the other advertisers across the business. Everyone's going there. Same thing with Google and YouTube more specifically. And I think that combined with AI investment, with with Nvidia going from, (laughs) I don't know, $500 billion company a good 16 months ago to now being worth 1.8 trillion, worth more than Amazon and Google, Absolute wild. Mm-hmm. And that is carrying our Yes, yeah, say, say
2: that a year ago. Oh, that's what insane. Do you, yeah. Who I would mean, have
1: thought that OpenAI and the advancement that we, well, I would say the product that we got that people actually resonated with and were, we're like, oh boy, yeah. this is real. Mm-hmm. That drove over, I would say, two, two and a half trillion dollars in market cap value just with one product. It feels like OpenAI's ChatGPT. Was an iPhone moment in so many ways. For sure, where it created yeah. an unbelievable amount of value. So, what does that all mean? Basically, what I'm saying is, is I think over the next six weeks, we're going to get a few things. We're going to see a continuation of investors questioning mm-hmm. where interest rates are going. A continuation of concern over the election in the United States. It's. I don't know if anyone was watching CNN last night, but yeah. it's pretty clear that Joe Biden's going to get pushed out, and he's not going to be running. So,
2: I mean yeah, that is today's story. Yes, that's yeah. correct. And who Do, knows? Let's, let's 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 just say the takeaway is no one knows what's going to happen. But that's bad for
1: markets when 100%. you don't know.
2: Oh, I agree. Love,
1: and for the last six months, the market has been like, nah, Trump's winning, and that's predictable. So you get a continuation of the tax cuts that he put in in 2016, Man. 2017. You get a whole bunch of things that you can expect or at least understand Mm -hmm. uh, tariffs, all that stuff. You've seen um, Europe and more specifically China struggle because they're like, oh boy, daddy Trump's coming back. And that's bad for these things, but good for these things. Mm -hmm. Now you get a Biden who's leaving, or at least it sure seems like he's going to, which gives you a question mark. Before we had two lame duck presidents that were running and at least you you could predict what was gonna happen. Now you have an unknown. That is bad Mm -hmm. for market prices. So that's
2: one problem. What, what, uh, inform our listeners and me for that matter, what was the takeaway on, like, what's the, did they just say that he's not fit or were we talking about? their reasoning,
1: because he just had that, I don't know, there's some sort of issue with him, some sort of document problem. Same thing as Trump has. Democrats don't get away with doing bad things as well as Republicans (laughs) do. And their argument for why he's not guilty Mm -hmm. is mental deterioration. Which is not going to fly well. Like yeah. if your if your defense in court is that you are
2: he forgets a lot of things. things
1: yeah. is not great for running for president. Which mm-hmm. means if that is true and that mm-hmm. comes to light more publicly, mm-hmm. they're they're clearly pulling him out and they're going to run
2: somebody else. Is this is just going to lead into? I don't. We don't need to get into the conspiracy theory hole. But um, I think I, what I was reading yet yeah, like three or four weeks ago was this is all set up for. Obama to get back in oh could you
1: uh, Kenny I don't even know the rules around that
2: no 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 no. Oh, not Barack yeah <laughs> exactly oh. um, that's going into the like deep deep uh, conspiracy hole so we don't need to do that but like I mean just the fact that this kind of I mean that stuff the conspiracy stuff is always everywhere on Twitter if you want to find it but the I think the amount of uncertainty is only going to increase in the next like in the short term here mm-hmm. because of what you're saying like I mean Obviously we still have Trump's won Nevada yesterday with no other people running against him. And he has how many indictments oh, <laughs> on the East Coast? Like I mean, what an unprecedented like thirty or yeah.
1: sixty or something.
2: Yeah, like if you take a step back, I just mean like I think I we had chatted about this before, but just thinking about what the presidential election meant in our childhood and what it looked like and the structure of it. I mean, even obviously and to a smaller degree, even um, our elections here in Canada and what they look like now compared to 20 years ago. Like, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think about how much entertain like the entertainment factor around it. And I'm not saying in a good way, well, but no. the fact that this is just a sideshow essentially, and this it's is crazy.
1: I think it obviously a deterioration of, of our institutions. And the only institution that is left in in North America that people trust, what do you think is X? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's not go with a, a social app as an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's sports, and I kind of stole this from somebody else, but it's true, and I believe there's it.
2: only so much you can change. Yeah, I think sports outside of the NFL. I mean, obviously, conspiracy, Taylor Swift getting right. to the Super Bowl, but
1: right, people want to say it's rigged. But it is the only thing we trust. We trust athletes. We tr- trust the meritocracy of sport. Mm. We trust the rules around it. While, yeah, sure, we question them and we think some of them should change. And oftentimes they do change. The, the reality is, is that the world doesn't trust anyone besides the outcome of sports. <laughs> and even that, we're starting to question. But I think that that's why it's such an important institution. It's the reason why it's like, it's ever growing and it continues to be the Apple of all media's eye. And yeah, it's
2: a driver. Um, yeah.
1: Which again, I don't, we, we haven't even discussed the, the, the new deal between ES, ESPN and all those other properties. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. But yeah. I think moving on from like this market update that I'm referring to, into <laughs> yeah. what I how I think- Yeah, the, sorry
2: for railroading. No, but. no,
1: all good. The, the things I wanted to talk about regarding Trevor Toom and The Hub and what mm-hmm. they've been posting recently, obviously, if you've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years, you know I love Trevor Toome. I think he's a great writer, very balanced. He's out of Calgary. And he posted on X of Twitter a few thought-provoking things for me. Mm-hmm. And it's about, and most of them really hit on the real issues in Canada, and one being resource investment
2: mm-hmm.
1: and trade with the United States. And if you're voting for the federal Position, so for our prime minister, I think it's really important when you're look, looking at Justin Trudeau's track record and you look at um, all the other provinces that he affects. Many think that he has control over our healthcare system, that he mm-hmm. has control over our, our resource exports, that he has control over education, that he is the all powerful. And it's actually not how. Our federation is is distributed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Our provinces have significantly more control than most voters give Justin Trudeau credit for. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. they they ascribe all problems to him, and where they should be concerned is trade deals with other nations. With mm-hmm. our our, for instance, we the Conservatives just voted down the the package for the for the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Things like that. That's where our prime minister has a lot of impact. Yep. Obviously, that is tough to, to think about in a vacuum. But when I think about resource investment and seeing how it's dropped off a cliff, why is that? It's probably because of how we talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that needs to be addressed moving forward. It's mm-hmm. very concerning to me that our largest export as a contributor to our economy is something that we're under-investing in. And for what reason? I mean, many people will say it's 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 because of climate or carbon concerns i am mm. not so sure that's what it is maybe that's partially it but that's something we need to, to to fix but number two and it's something that's becoming much more popular as elections come up in the united states and in canada we talk about trade deals and you know donnie trump's going to be talking about trade deals that's all he talks about deals deals to deals deals and if he's going to renegotiate the canadian um, trade agreement that is a problem for us mm-hmm. why and this is a great um, a great article from Trevor Too, and it's, it's titled, Is Canada betting too much on the US? And when you start to go through the article itself, he refers to the relationship we have with, with the United States. Everyone thinks that it's, it's mutual. And sure, we are the United States' largest trading partner, and mm-hmm. the United States is our largest trading partner, but relatively, it's not that big of a deal for them because everyone is a huge trading partner of the United States, whereas in Canada, we don't have that. And very recently, we had a pullback from the UK where they are no longer in trade talks with us because of our, our um, tariffs on cheese. Mm. Our Liberal government has taken it upon themselves and same with the Conservative government pr- prior to Justin Trudeau to protect our dairy farmers because they are large voters and they are predominantly out of the Quebec region. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important group to make happy. But we have like 250 plus percent tariffs on cheese. So now they're not talking to us anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the united states and we're protecting dairy farmers it's such this tiny little niche portion of our economy that we are obsessed with or we're not getting trade deals done because of mm-hmm. and that is a huge issue alberta exports 52 percent of our gdp ish within five percent of that to the united states if you look at each state and there's a chart of this in the article if you look at each state in the United States, the largest trade partner as a percentage of their GDP with Canada that they export is Michigan. And it's seven, That's or seven or eight, something like that. <laughs> to
2: that's, be fair, there is 50 states.
1: Right. Mm. <laughs> but, that's, but that's still a problem, right? Mm. And if we think that we're going to get some fantastic deal because of the, the multitude of wars going on across the globe yeah. with the United States, I think we're probably in for a rude awakening because they just don't care and that's a problem when you're dealing or trading with somebody who doesn't care yep. it's very difficult for them to not win that negotiation
0: so 100%. we need
1: to consider our relationships with other countries and diversify and that's what trevor Toon's trying to say we love the united states um because of what they provide for us hmm we need to diversify bad. We've been talking about diversifying our economy forever. Maybe we need to diversify trade partners Mm -hmm. more so than we need to diversify into green energy or diversify into marijuana exports or whatever BS we wanna talk about, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in my opinion, that's where this next election is gonna uh, be um, transitioning to. Mm -hmm. Obviously real estate and uh, um, housing affordability is gonna be number one, inflation those sorts of things. But in my opinion, if I'm voting on, on a few things, if I have mm-hmm. a few things that I'm interested in, I'm very concerned about trade deals. I'm very well,
2: concerned about that. if yeah. you think about standard of living, I mean, I think this is a pretty simple way of looking at it. It's not, this isn't coming from a textbook, but I mean, we are immigrating X. We are growing X in Canada. We are trying to say we need to innovate and get more efficient and cleaner and all this kind of stuff so we are i would think investing in our small businesses in canada and people to grow and be entrepreneurial that's what we want that's what we want to see where is their product and services going there's only there's always so much of a cap in canada based on even with our i guess lofty immigration goals and pop um population growth who else are we going to go to? If the U, Like you said right now, the U.S. is one, but do they need us or do they not need us? Who else does? So if I'm a voter, I'm thinking if I'm like, how how would we improve our Canadian standard of living? We need to have relationships with the growth part of the world. Mm-hmm. So well, who needs our assistance? Yeah, you know, been bit- we've been a country, uh, for a, 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 long, a developed country for a long time. We have a lot of great expertise and I would think... It's actually a little cheaper than the U.S. too. And, and I would think the basis of a great partnership for countries that are looking to develop in certain areas. Mm-hmm. So And, maybe and why, aren't more, those, why aren't those talks happening?
1: I know. and why It's interesting because we have direct connection with the United States. We are their best friend for now. And we are in many ways kind of blocking off our economy. Mm-hmm. For I don't even know why and we really truly need to, to look at, at diversifying a little bit. Maybe we need to take bad deals or, or open up our borders completely for little things like dairy <laughs> to allow for better compensation in other areas that perhaps are actually where our expertise are. So I would sure love to see cheese prices go down. I would sure like to see a, a whole host of those things, competition come into the market. If the NDP really wants grocery store prices to come down, you know what you do? You remove tariffs off of everything that is imported into our grocery stores. You don't tell the CEOs to stop getting paid so much because that's not gonna work. Their margins will suck. So if you want to make a more complimentary business for them or an area in which they can reduce costs, well, that's Mm -hmm. how you do it. Mm -hmm. So that's of interest to me. I'm gonna be talking about that more as we move forward. I wanted to bring up an, a guy that I've been talking about I I don't know in the past a lot. He was his his writing was very prescient during the Donald Trump election. Mm-hmm. So 2015-2016,
2: like when he, he was elected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And Chris Arnady, was I when I first started posting on my little Facebook group, that's I was talking about him a lot and I thought that he was So to give a little bit of background for those that don't know, he was an ex-hedge fund manager analyst who made enough money to never have to work again. He's probably 45 to 50 years old. And he decided before Mark Zuckerberg thought it was cool to go to all these small cities and towns in middle America and go and interview people in McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And he predicted the Donald Trump election result well before anybody else was talking about it. And I think it's largely because he, was, he had boots on the ground and he was going and talking to those that nobody gets to talk to. And
2: Plus, you get like literally every walk of life that was McDonald's. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you
1: have LeBron James probably goes to McDonald's. I know Warren Buffett does.
2: Yeah. And then you also maybe have, not ordering in, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> at least through the drive thru, right? And um, right now, he had this big Twitter spat with this. Economist, a very famous economist in Europe. His name's I don't know Bruno something, and Bruno had talked about what the United States' biggest export is, and he thinks that culturally they import culture, and I think that's super wrong.
2: In but America opinion, imports culture, yeah.
1: And mm. so we're talking about culture here now, and you know what? I think that understanding culture is the most important thing to making good investment decisions, making good career decisions, seeing where things are going in the, in in the world. In my opinion, the United States does not import a lot. Sure, they take ideas from everywhere. If you look at the yeah. food, sure, they steal. They have a ton of immigration.
2: Yeah. This guy, the, the example that's given is like Starbucks and the guy saying like that is European coffeehouse culture. And the, it's like, yeah, someone went over there and was like, this is really good. I wonder why no one's making money off of this. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this person open at 10 a.m. or open at 9 a.m. and closed at 2 p.m.? Let's have a 24-hour coffee house Mm -hmm. and make it into somewhere where people want to hang out and study and do their work. Oh, okay, cool. Where
1: is Starbucks growing fastest? China. So if you look at... The, the market cap value of the S&P 500 the United States stock market, it is effectively half of the market cap of, of the globe. Mm-hmm. Bruno here is saying they import other people's ideas. Sure. You know what, Ameri- there's this quote where it's like um, something around the idea of all great ideas are stolen. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a Steve Jobs quote. But anyways, the United States is the king of stealing good ideas and making them great. and. I believe their biggest export right now is hip hop culture, mm. and its impact on the rest of the globe and how they how they um, dress, how they um, consume, and not just clothing and 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 those sorts of things. I'm talking food, cars, services, lifestyle, and there's nobody further ahead than generally hip hop, and. Hmm. Whether it be the stuff that they're talking about in their videos and you look at, I mean, I don't want to use Connie as an example here, but he's almost always five years ahead of everybody. And to me, America does that. If you go to Japan, they're obsessed with American culture. If you if you go to China, it's the same thing. What did they export? The, the NBA. It's the biggest sport in their country. They don't even have a national league or team. So heck there's what one chinese player in the nba yet it's a massive sport there i think that this exporting of culture and versus importing of culture is just so wrong
2: yeah i mean i just think it's essentially one of those things where one feeds the other mm-hmm. and like then like it doesn't matter if you're i mean i guess if you want to go to original thought then i guess not but how many more original thoughts are there out there
1: who cares if it's there is or of, isn't is
2: it yeah exactly what do people like
1: yeah Exactly. What,
2: so, what can I incentivize to make this better and and work out? So yeah, I, I think America has, or Western civilization has been able to continually improve on the things that we've been spending our money on for a long time. And the U.S. and U.S. companies have done it the best. Yeah, the, so. the
1: best, one are the largest exports or, for the United States is actually pharmaceutical drugs because they do mm. almost all of the innovation, with the exception of one, the Ozempic drug that is on fire right now. So I thought this was interesting. I think mm-hmm. it's very telling. And I believe that we are just on the – it's just the tip of the spear. It's just the tip of the, the iceberg at the moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm going to quote the Financial Times here. Danish drug maker Novo Nordisk has been surprised by the readiness of European consumers to pay for weight loss drugs from their own pockets. Mm. As the region's largest company invests in new supply to meet runway demand, the company's weight loss drug, Wigovi, and diabetes treatment, Ozempic, powered it to record sales in 2023 and a current market capitalization of $508 billion. So obviously, very large company, um, but to me, the most telling portion of this is that in a single payer healthcare system where people are not used to paying for drugs at all, Mm -hmm. they don't pay out of pocket. Yeah. People are so interested in buying these drugs that they will just pay out of pocket. Mm -hmm. It is now effectively like a Botox version for weight loss. Yep. And I think that this crosses two genders or however many
2: thousand percent
1: it is going to be very powerful and if we thought Botox was big, this is just beginning. And not only that, the most important thing for successful pharmaceuticals is obviously having protection over the, the, the IP, but the fact that it doesn't cure anything.
2: Yeah, so totally. So the, the
1: problem with Gilead and the, their Hep C drug was that it cured Hep C. So now no one has Hep C.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So now you can't sell the drug anymore. Mm-hmm. The beauty of these drugs is that it just... You get off it, maybe you get fat again. Exactly. <laughs> And it doesn't solve anything, it just improves your life. But it improves it drastically, clearly, based on how many people are buying it, the results, the and many of the outcomes right now. So, holy moly, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what you think this is going to do, but to me, this is going to be more impactful or as impactful as the iPhone was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I, would you turn this as like lifestyle medicine? Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, I, I just think it's such a, a wave, I guess you could call it, with...
1: This is not health advice, by the
2: way. No, not no at all. I'm this. just saying, like, the, the people people's interest in longevity and, and health is wealth and all that, like, old adage stuff. But the fact, the barrier was always, well, I have to change what I'm doing in order to be healthy? What do you mean? I can't take yeah. this magic pill, yeah, which exactly. is obviously made the, the thesis of... Uh, this is America. To, yeah,
0: exactly.
2: <laughs> so... I, I agree. I mean, the amount of, there was even in Edmonton here locally, like anecdotally, there was a startup TNT. I think you've probably heard of that before mm-hmm. locally. And they had some lifestyle um, startup companies, like, I guess, like technologies and products and stuff like that, that people are developing and a bit of a pitch project, that kind of thing. Like the amount of people that are, the amount of companies in the space and the amount of opportunity I think there is in the space. And, the fact that people are willing to spend on their health is, is all contributing to probably a blow up, which, I mean, Ozempic's at that level now and going to mm-hmm. continue to blow up. But I think this is, this is like the first step. I think there's gonna be so many more things that are gonna be able to follow this because people, again, are gonna be interested in, how can I, well, economically, how can I lower my costs maybe on other parts of my life so, spending less
1: on calories right now, which is hilarious.
2: Yeah, exactly. You saw that in the stock prices of Pepsi, Coke, McDonald's. Yeah, like legitimately where they're adding that narrative into mm-hmm. their So I just think it's like the start of something that could be even, you know, larger in the whole scheme of things do I see Ozempic being something that goes away? Like, I mean, obviously the everything, the asterisk next to all of these stories is we don't know what the long-term effects of this truly is, right? So once that starts becoming known and the first, obviously, I mean, I haven't heard of anything super negative yet, but I mean, I think that this obviously needs to go five, 10, 15, 20 years for us to really figure it out, right?
1: It's funny how the difference in branding really affects how people's willingness to take it. Like if this was a, what do we call them vaccine yeah it would so we'll see
2: i i always i just think of don draper immediately here <laughs> and like what he so the i think this clip goes around quite often on on x and instagram and, and whatnot but the the cigarette companies that are in mm-hmm. his office and he talks about he's like talks about uh don't ever talk about the fact that it's safe because people won't believe you that it's mm-hmm. safe or that it doesn't cause something, and so then they'll think that it does. Yeah. So just like, just say it's toasted or whatever it is on like that. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, just, I immediately think of that when I think of Ozempic and how it's marketed and their branding plan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, is a little bit different than the '50s, '60s, or whatever it is yeah. when that takes place. But the thought process is right. Like, I mean, we they're they're going to just be talking about the benefits and the lifestyle portion of it, which. Is obviously hitting home with a lot of people, and I think your comparison to Botox is very spot on because this is something that is—I mean, how affordable is it?
1: Who cares? Well, that's but,
2: but that's what I'm wondering. Though, like accessibility. is like accessibility—is that is that, is that their biggest between
1: thing? Between three and six hundred dollars a month. Yeah, it could be eight hundred, and that's in Canada and do not quote these prices because I don't actually know. This is
0: just... Yeah, so let's I just knowledge. say
2: in general, then the the accessibility issue might be an issue for them, potentially, of depending course, on... Yeah. But the the well, fact that people are obviously... Like, the fact that it's everywhere and the fact that you have um, the market reach that you already have, like, yeah, it's going to be big. I don't think... It, you're, to your point, it probably doesn't not matter that much to them how accessible their drug is for every level of of the economy or of the... Of our of our countries but yeah i think it's gonna for the short term it's gonna be huge i'm just waiting for that first shoe to drop i guess
1: yeah i don't i feel like politicians need to go and talk to Don draper because there's no one worse <laughs> at branding policy ideas than current politicians <laughs> sadly,
2: sadly donnie drapes yeah. simpler time i know um cam any <laughs> recommendations for the week i just uh i've recommended the podcast before but interview between for basketball fans or sports fans in general so luka Doncic um interview with jj reddick so mm-hmm. it was awesome uh, i don't know if we actually mentioned it i mean the other week there were like luka put up 73 which is like a top 10 point game all time yeah i think he had two other guys go over 60 that week too and or three didn't guys he, go over sixty.
1: Man, uh, Embiid put up seventy-one.
2: He put up no seventy on the dot, I think, okay. maybe. And then Luca the Luca the next day seventy-three. Um, yeah, it was crazy r- little run there of of high point games. The again, it's a little bit probably inside baseball a little bit for people that aren't don't know basketball. But I mean, I find it very interesting them talking about the. Breaking down how the game looks to someone that elite, Mm -hmm. to me is always interesting to say like, well, what's going through your brain? Like, why is this easy? Why is that like, how how does it slow down for you? That kind of thing is very interesting. He's also someone that's not like a gym rat per se. Like he's not like, the like lebron james like if you if lebron james and luca were standing next to each other like you're not like oh both of those guys are basketball like they're both tall but like luca does not he looks like me and you a little mm-hmm. bit like his body type kind of thing right i mean better looking than me is i see i richard see that's right. <laughs> richard i just mean like he's Taller it's not like he's bastard. it's not like he's got all of this at like boom in your face athleticism, but he just has all of it on the court and his IQ is off the hook. So listening to that was really interesting. And him talking about how easy it is to score in the NBA compared to europe he was he went viral for that clip like three years ago talking about how much harder it is to score in europe than it is in the nba and him breaking that down and providing more context to that was interesting for for me as well is it rules based it is yeah he said 100 percent of it again to get a little bit he inside can here in the
1: nba and he can't in europe uh,
2: it's more about three second violation on mm-hmm. in on the d side so again you can only be at the rim for three seconds and then you have to step out of the key before you can move back. So he always talks about I'm when I'm in ISO. So one-on-one, he's always just looking and just seeing where that that defender is. And when that guy moves out of the key is when I attack and I know my spots and where I can get to in order to have space in order to shoot, He said like, cause the defenders are too good. Like if you, if you had, or took that rule away, he said, you would see scoring fall off a cliff because so many guys so close to the rim at all times yeah exactly like you just have like when would just stand there the whole time with his his wingspan would cover the entire key mm-hmm. and getting in a, in a shot would be very difficult so it's just interesting to hear guys like that break things down i always love that it doesn't matter what the sport is so um and jj reddick's like i think on the up and up of being one of the best sports broadcasters interviewers out there because he has he's got to
1: get on with pat
2: McAfee, yeah, yeah you I should can just
1: listen to one sport podcast. Yeah, that's, and true.
2: Yeah, what well, means they're? I they're both ESPN, so yeah, they should be. So, but anyways, it's it's just one of those things where you get the the mixture of having someone who can speak well, like mm-hmm. pretty eloquent, ask good questions, and then he's obviously so knowledgeable about the game, and he puts in all the work. Like he he's very stat driven guy, mm-hmm. which I love too. It's nice. like just breaking all this stuff down. So, uh, good listen if you've listened to him before. If you're interested in basketball. Again, listening from one of the best to ever do it. So,
1: uh, reco from me, my cooler friends, mm-hmm. uh, told me to listen to the Kid Cudi album. Okay, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Huge. I'll huge second fan. that. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've been listening to a lot of music lately. I don't know why, but get away from some of the podcasting, reset myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I also read. A, we're doing it. Me and my wife are doing a book a month club together, mm-hmm. read the same book, and we have to recommend a book back and forth. Yep. So I'm going to put it out to the audience if I could get a better recommendation for her so that she actually <laughs> likes what I gave her.
2: She's like, Joel, this guy's a horrible writer. She's like, Joel, this has way too many pop-up pictures in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's no
2: words. Um, yeah.
0: Anyways, I uh, we'll see you next week.
2: Sounds good.